Welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. This month, I've been talking about self-awareness, and this is the third show in this series. And here's the thing. Don't worry if this is the first one that you've landed on. You can circle back to the other ones after you listen to this. You're not doing it wrong, and there's not a right way or an only way. You are right where you need to be. Because remember, learning is not linear. It is spiral, and we often don't get things the first go around. It's not a reflection of your intelligence. It's the learning process. And the things I talk about here are often invisible. We can't see it. So often, we haven't been exposed to it, and that's why we're blind to it. It's another way to say blind spots. A long time ago, this was probably a different century, I had a lot of shame on how I lived day to day. And it was Christmas Eve, and it was in the 90s, and my bedroom looked like a tornado. It was a disaster zone. It was so maxed out and filled to the brim, and it was a disaster zone. And I often lived like this. As a college student, I lived like this. As a young adult, I was living like this. And often I could just not be bothered by it. But one day, a girlfriend of mine was stopping by to pick up some stuff. And it happened to be in my bedroom. So not only did I bring her, but her brother's girlfriend came over too. Now, so my girlfriend has one of those homes, has always had one of those homes that looks like it could be a model home. And so it was a total shame trigger for me. And at that time, I didn't know what shame was. I would have said I was embarrassed because that's the the language I had. And I thought, well, this is just the way it is. And it's because I'm not good enough. I don't work hard enough. Like part of the reason it was that way was I was probably doing too much. I was probably in grad school, working three jobs and raising my bonus kids. Like I was doing too much. And so I went into this beating myself up because I had all this shame because here it was Christmas Eve and I wasn't even near ready for Christmas. And here my girlfriend was seeing what it looks like behind the door of my bedroom. So because I didn't have that awareness, I I just had a lot of judgments and a lot of cultural programming of what it was supposed to be versus looking at why did it look this way? Why was it this way? And again, as I shared with you, I was working three jobs. I was going to grad school. There were a lot of skill sets that I didn't have and I was exhausted and overwhelmed. And when it came to my own space, I just lived in this perpetual clutter. I wasn't taking care of myself. You know, now my bedroom is definitely a place that it nurtures me. It rises up to meet me. I've worked on decluttering it over the years. It's not perfect, but it is. it has become a sanctuary. But back in the 90s, it wasn't. And so this is why having self-awareness is so important, is about being able to unpack and see the blind spots and understanding like, okay, what is this? Is this, what am I feeling right now? Like I wasn't aware of that. And last time I talked about emotions and having that emotional language. Why is my way of being in this way? 
right? Part of it was I didn't allow myself the space to take care of that. I always kicked it off like, oh, one day I'll get to it. One day I'll get to it. And the other thing that happened is that I had this all or nothing mindset that I must do big. And, you know, just like they do on TV where it's just this one, one and done big clutter. And then you get to live happily ever after. Right. And one of the things that the show has been so helpful for me is when I had Peter Walsh on my show. And for those of you who may not remember those episodes, and he's a guest many, many times. And Peter Walsh is a clutter organization expert. And he was on Oprah and it was one of her people on the magazine and then on the own network when she first started. But he taught me a really simple skill set and it made a big change. So in the 90s, I remember with my husband, he was taking off a week at work and I had like these big, hairy, audacious goals. We're going to declutter our home and get it all cleaned out. Well, that lasted maybe two days and they were gruesome days, probably 12 to 14 hours. I'm sure we got in a big argument at some point. And then we stopped and we shoved everything back. So a little bit got done, but never that, that completion, never that picture. And this is the nineties. Like, thank goodness. Thank goodness. I did not have social media in my twenties because it would not have been good for my mental health to be able to have that to compare to. Right. But back then I had this idea and part of it was my, for my friend's house, right. Part of it was what I needed to do to finally be good enough was to be able to declutter this home. Well, I was one person of, of four, right. And I didn't have some of the skill sets. And the thing that Peter Walsh taught me is one is we ask ourselves, what do we want from the space? What do we want? And like I mentioned now, my bedroom it's a nurturing place. It's a sanctuary for me. It's a place where I can go in and there's not stuff to do in there. And that's what I want from that space. I want that space to take care of me, to allow me to sleep, to allow me to spend time with myself. That's a really important space for me. But back then I had these overambitious goals, the whole house, the garage, everything, get it all perfect. And then I, I could relax for the rest of my life. Totally unrealistic expectations. So learning about your being is really important and then learning what skill sets do you need to learn. But when we're judging ourselves and shaming ourselves, we're in that shame storm and we can't see anything and we have that fixed mindset and we just shut down and we say, well, screw it. I can't even get this done. So I'm not going to deal with it. And we allow it to continue and continue. And then maybe one day we do some heroic efforts and do a big purging and cleaning, but then can't be able to maintain it or practice it because it's not part of our being. And the self-awareness is really important. And so asking that question, what do you want from this space was really helpful. And then the next one is, how much time do you have? Well, sure. That week I had that idea of a week, but I wasn't realistic, right? Because again, my lack of self-awareness, there was still the eating, there was other things that we needed to do. And did we really want to spend a week of his vacation? cleaning and organizing. I don't think my husband did. And the reality is I didn't really want to either, but I thought that was the only way. And the thing that Peter Walsh taught me, you could have 10 minutes. And instead of thinking that's not enough time, what can you do in those 10 minutes? Maybe it's clean out that drawer that's been bothering you. And then what happens that becomes a little success. And instead of the story being defeated and that you never get what you want and you're not able to create it. And so screw it. And you're just going to live in this. It becomes of like, wow, look at this space. Like every time you open up that drawer and you're like, look, it's all organized. 
and it becomes delightful. And then at some point, there may be another time where you have 10 minutes and you can do another drawer. And that's really how I've gotten my bedroom to where it's at. It's the small steps. It's the small hinges that move big doors. Now, mind you, my house is far from perfect. There are lots of clutter spots. Some rooms are better than others, right? And it's an ongoing practice for the last 29 years in this house. But what's happened is, is that I do have a home that imperfectly rises up to meet me. Sometimes things get a little bit out of control, right? But I've been able to develop skill sets and practices that really support me and my family. One of the small steps that I started with was making my bed. For years, I would never make my bed. I was like, oh, that's just a lot of work. Why would you make your bed? You're just going to get in it at night. It's like, for me, it just cleans up my brain a little bit. There's so much that's going on in my brain. There's so much that I'm responsible for. It gives me that space. And so that's one thing I do. The other thing that I do that I've made it really simple because I don't really like to make a bed and I know how to do hospital corners from when I went to camp is I have duvet covers. So I have duvet covers of a bottom thing and really it's just spreading out the blanket, right? The duvet cover is done. So I make it really simple. So it's a practice that I can do ongoing. I don't like top sheets and that's what I do. And this really is a metaphor for whatever the arena is for all of us, right? Like being aware of what is our being. Like I knew that if I had to make it have hospital corners and have a top sheet, I would be more frustrated. I knew that that would be more difficult for me than having the duvet cover and then saying that was a win. There might be clothes still on the floor back then, but I did that. And I continued to build the small steps, right? And right now I've got a whole bunch of books that have been just sitting there on my dresser. They're on my nightstand. They're underneath my nightstand. I have a shelf down there and I need to go through that. And I've been looking at that for the last few weeks. So it's not perfect, right? Sometimes the drawers get a little cluttered and I go through and I clean it out and then I get really happy about it and last for a while, but there's always maintenance. But what's happened is, is that I went from this person who was very cluttered and disorganized. And when I could stop judging and stop being in this place of shame, I could look at it. How do I want to be? What's the space I want to be in? Who's the person I want to be? Right? And it's aligned with my values and my priorities. So becoming self-aware of our being is a really, really important skill set on top of the understanding the mindset, as well as understanding our emotions. And the other thing that I have talked about in this show is that this idea of small hinges can move big doors. Because remember, when I first started that cleaning, it was going to be, we're going to do it in a week, we're going to get it done, and it's going to be magical, it's going to be fantastic, it's going to be all organized, we could do like a photo shoot. Photo shoots aren't real. There's a whole team of people and they take a lot of stuff out. It's kind of like when you sell your home and they take everything out to like show a bare bones, right? There's not the real life of living. But those are the big things. And it can be like our big, hairy, audacious goals. But what are the small hinges that eventually move the big doors? The small hinges for me was making the bed. The smaller hinge was choosing not to use a top sheet and having duvet covers. The small hinge was starting to practice putting my dirty clothes in the laundry basket. Really, really simple thing. But how many times would I say, oh, I'm just too tired. So I'm not, I'm just going to let it be on the floor. And the next day, oh, I'm just going to let it be here on the floor. And the next day, right? Instead of saying, oh, if I put it in the hamper the first time, I don't have to pick it up again. 
and getting into those practices. So those small hinges over time have helped me create the space that I now have. And oftentimes we're so impatient, we want it to happen right away because we have this magical thinking. And again, that goes back to our being, being aware of ourselves and what are our expectations, but are they real? Are they real? Are they realistic for ours with their given circumstances? As you think about your own way of being, a couple of tools that could help you that are really great at helping people increase their self-awareness are either the Enneagram or one of the tools that I use with my clients is the VIA, the Values in Action. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is what are our values? And the Values in Action is a great assessment and it assesses your way of being. It's about how do I know myself? It's our strengths within, right? And the Enneagram is also another tool to learn more about yourself and increase your self-awareness. Again, it's our way of being. There are the helpers, there's the individualist, there's the achiever, the reformer, the warrior. I kept thinking I was the warrior. I was very adamant that I was the warrior. <laughs> I'm like, no, I am a warrior. You're like, if you're going to mess with me, I'm taking you on. But really, I disintegrate into a warrior. And that's why it's so caustic. So those are a couple of tools. Another tool is journaling, is writing, is starting to find out what it is that you think. The other part is not only you journaling, right? Because it's the thinking and that's the mindset. But then reflecting and noticing your way of being. Noticing when you get on edge or when you get defensive, why is that? Being really curious with yourself. The more we learn about our being, what is it that we like? What is it that we don't like? And being okay with that. Understanding your way of being. That will help you increase your self-awareness. Now, this series on self-awareness has included the mindset, the stories we tell ourselves, or that we've listened to consciously or unconsciously. There's an episode on emotions, our feelings, and being able to identify what we're feeling and learning the emotional language that we can use with it. And then today's episode is with being, how do we be in our lives? Being able to tune into our stories, identify the emotions, and see how that impacts our way of being is crucial for our self-awareness. And then in the end, it's about being self-compassionate with ourselves so we can learn and evolve. Carol Dweck, who's been on the show about mindset, more specifically growth mindset and fixed mindset, and we'll put the links of the two episodes in the show notes. But one of the things her research, her latest research has indicated is a strong correlation of fixed mindset with fear and shame, along with socioeconomics. And then growth mindset with curiosity and compassion. The more that we can be self-compassionate with ourselves, we can be in that growth mindset, we can evolve and grow. When I was in that shame storm, I was in a fixed mindset and it was very black and white. Like my friend can have this great house because she's a wonderful person and I am a loser from loser street. And so I'm going to live in this mess, right? That's really not how it works. We do this with jobs. We, we think like, oh, I can't do this because of very limited mindsets and maybe because of our own being that gets stuck because we may be in a shame storm. So remember, we are imperfect humans. And oftentimes our way of being was unconsciously learned from our family of origin. We watched our families do things and shut down or, you know, hide away. And they may never have said, this is what you need to do. This means needs to be your way of being. It becomes part of your way of being. If you've been on athletic teams 
there's often a way of being that athletic teams will do. We, we use the word culture. It's a culture of this is how we do things. It becomes part of our way of being and we start to mimic it from others and we start to integrate it into ourselves. So that's another way that we can create this being and we either adopt it and it's not really ours or we learn how to have that way of being. So creating that self-awareness is really important. So that's an example, a positive example of cultural programming. I often talk about cultural programming as a negative, but the team's way of being can sometimes be a positive way as long as it's in line with who we really are. Thing is, is we're often not aware of why we do something. As we cultivate compassion and self-compassion, really, like compassion for ourselves, we're able to see ourselves more clearly and understand ourselves. By having self-awareness, and seeing how we be, think, and feel, that can lead to the changes we want in our life. So I'm going to say that again. By having self-awareness and seeing how we be, think, and feel, that can lead to the changes we want in our life. So as you go through, my invitation for you today is to think about, notice, watch yourself without judging, with compassion. Be a compassionate observer. Notice what you do. How is your way of being? Where may have you learned that from? Is this aligned with who you are or is it something that you've adopted without even realizing you were doing? What would you change? What would you improve? Right? What are your key learnings? And then go and practice it. What are those small steps that you can start to incorporate so that you can make those changes? Maybe it's removing the top sheet. It doesn't have to be big hinges. Small hinges can move big doors in the changes we make. I'm smiling big for you. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you'll love my weekly emails. I know you're thinking, Corinne, really? Do I want another email in my overflowing inbox? Yes, you do. Yippee, skippy, you do. These are short. They're sweet. On Fridays, I send out the Friday podcast. It's a great reminder that there's a new show and it comes straight into your inbox of the latest episode. Awesome. You click on it, you go straight because we all need reminders. We have busy full lives. And then on Sundays, I have my Sunday love column. And these are emails I write from the heart. They're filled with love. We need more love. We all do, myself included. These are short emails where you get a quick takeaway so you can incorporate this into your life because people often want to know, what to do and how to do it. And maybe sometimes it's a story that you get, or there's like one time I wrote about the 10 ways to practice gratitude. And that became such a great tool when one of the readers was struggling in the middle of the night, because it can be a scary place in our brains in the middle of the night. And she remembered the email that I sent about 10 ways to practice gratitude. And she was able to practice gratitude and fall back asleep. And that was an awesome lesson for her to incorporate into her life. Go to the show notes and there's a link in the show notes where you can sign up and get these emails in your box. Hey, 